0: Okay. Is that a problem? Is that a problem? (laughs) (laughs) a problem? It's too late now, isn't it? I can't really change my voice. Sorry, you need to go back and get born again.
1: (laughs) 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 This is Layers, a conversation about building brands with more depth. Now that you've sold the rebrand, you've got sign-off, you've got the budget to work with and it's on you to make it happen. Where do you get started? MC. day, hey. hey Dave. How's it going? Good. It's How are good. you? Yeah, really good. It's good. So when you rebrand, does it mean that you've got to
0: change everything from the get-go? Well, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, not necessarily. I mean, we've we've been involved in rebrands ourselves where we didn't change everything. So I think certainly in terms of trying to figure out where you start and and what will need to change and and what almost that brief looks like that you're pulling together and, and a list of checkpoints. The first place to start really is what am I trying to achieve or what am I trying to fix? You know, we talked a lot uh, in the first episode of this series about signs that it's ready for a rebrand and a lot of those were sort of problems that you might identify. And I guess to link that through to this topic, you know, if you think about Say if one of the things that you were trying to fix is that my brand no longer tells the right story. Okay, well, maybe your logo doesn't have to change if if your brand story is the thing that's not coming through, that might be more in the messaging that needs updating or the website needs to change. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to change everything. Another example might be if one of the things you've identified that's wrong is that you're trying to be premium, but you know your visuals aren't premium, well maybe then you just need to change the visuals, but maybe your messaging is fine, you know, so I think the first place to start is to really think about again why you're doing this and then what are the things that are kind of broken that need fixing to come into alignment with that.
1: Yeah, because this can be a daunting thing for mm. any brand manager is like you've been kind of like behind the the rebrand efforts, the push to get this thing to happen and then it's on you to make it happen and then you start looking across all things that you need to do mm. and i think the reality of all of the, the the weight of the the project that's ahead just becomes a really heavy burden yeah so it's like where do you where do you even start
0: yeah and there's certainly you know cost implications to that time frame you know I think it's important to remember as well that even though we talked about the idea last time of selling the rebrand and assuming that you've got to this point because you have sold it, doesn't mean that all those other concerns and, and you know, naysayers and other people involved goes away. Like, it's not magically fixed, you know. Yeah. Just because you've signed off with the CEO on the concept of, hey, we're going to rebrand doesn't then mean that they're not going to be with you every step and every decision, you yeah. know including this one of working out, okay, what has to change. They might say, okay, I'm fine to rebrand, but I won't change the logo. And that might present a whole, you know, new set of challenges or things to overcome.
1: Yeah. I think the thing with the rebrand process is there's there's some sequencing that that has to happen. Mm. And I think there's there's the there's the strategy and the thinking aspect that needs to happen. That's the first kind of cab off the rank. And then it becomes about, okay, the identity and their messaging so these are kind of like the 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 foundational kind of layers mm. to to a rebrand, but but then you think about okay, where do you apply those things to? What are the physical assets? Where does it where does it go in terms of its um, digital presence? Mm. Yeah. And and I think then it becomes more of a bespoke situation if you're an e-commerce brand. Like probably the first place you're gonna go to is your is your website. Yeah. like that's the thing that you're gonna you're gonna address first and foremost. If you're in retail like bricks and mortar retail, you're probably going to think about the store experience mm. and you probably need to look at like an impact matrix. if you're a if you're a brand manager and you're thinking about where you can affect change most rapidly, it's kind of plotting those things on an impact matrix and going, okay, well, yeah, the website is going to be the thing that's going to tick sales along. And unfortunately or fortunately, they're driven mostly by economic decisions and this is where you got to kind of get your numbers brain on as a as a brand manager and start thinking about like
0: where do you place your bets mm. and thinking about it in those, those terms. Yeah. And also how much you can bite off at any one point and- and what are the things that you can live with too, you know? Yeah. You probably want to do it all in the first case, but that's probably not realistic. So, as you say, sequencing and thinking about the order of things and which bits you can sort of live with for a little a little bit. I mean, is it a case as well that do you see that it, when you're doing a rebrand, you can maybe break some rules for a little bit? You know, one of the, the cornerstones of branding that we would always preach is consistency and making sure that everything looks and feels the same you know across the whole brand experience all the time do you think that you can sort of break that rule for a period while you're rebranding or do you have to get it all right from the start
1: oh look i mean in in perfect agency land you you want (laughs) you want everything to be you know perfectly consistent i mean definitely that's that's definitely what we would preach along the way but yeah i mean the practicality of like a rollout means that you know, it, it's probably going to be a scenario where there are going to be some elements that are going to be inconsistent, but you can live with those because you're focusing on the biggest priorities um, you know, early on, and then you're kind of getting to the, the lowest of those priorities maybe in 12 months' time or six months' time, or whatever the timeline looks like. So yeah, I mean, I think so. I yeah. think it's fine to be inconsistent as long as there's a good game plan behind trying to patch up those inconsistencies in a short or define space of time.
0: Yeah. So, I think you're probably starting with a bit of an audit, you know, what are all the things that, you know, a big list of things that potentially need to change, throw them in a bit of an impact matrix, as you said, you know, what's going to take the most effort, what's going to have the biggest impact, but then think about how you can eventually get to a point where everything, you know, is consistent.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point you make about the the audit, um, and and hopefully at some point you've b- prior to even getting to the sign-off step, you've already done that audit of like everything that you've got to touch, and it's just about trotting that back out again, and kind of using that as your laundry list of, uh, and then it's kind of a, a process of impact and prioritization. Mm-hmm. But once you've got that done, so once you've once you've kind of figured out how you're going to roll this out and in what order, then becomes the issue of Of who you're going to work with Mm -hmm. so and and typically most companies don't do this in-house it's you look to the the agency to try and help you um, you know roll this whole thing out where do you stand on finding the right agency partner like what are the things that you should kind of be you know mindful of in that process yeah
0: I mean there's there's some obvious ones off the top that you probably take for granted but it's important to kind of vet and they're things like experience, you know. Do they have experience doing the thing that I, I want them to do? Yep. History of results, yeah. history
1: of return on investment.
0: Yeah, you know, are they are they serious and, and experts in the area? In agency land, I guess there's a lot of people that look the same or list a lot of services and, and I guess digging a little bit below that to, to uncover whether they actually have a lot of experience or expertise in a particular area is definitely, you know, a good place to start. The obvious thing and why so many agency sites are basically portfolios is do I like the work that they do? But I think one way to even evaluate that a bit deeper is to look at the types of businesses that they work with. Are they similar to, you know, my situation? It's not that they have to have done, you know, five accounting sites before if I'm an accounting firm, but even when you're looking at sort of general industry or size or whatever, like it's I think it's important to try and sort of align yourself with an agency that has done sort of similar situations to yours before, not just nice work, but work that resonates with your particular industry. Personality fit, you know, is another good one, you know, sort of looking at their, their style and hopefully you can glean a bit about their process and communication preferences and all that sort of stuff and seeing whether that aligns with what you were about so
1: yeah i think that's a big one
0: i mean what about you do you see other things you look for
1: oh look i mean if i mean we recently had to go through the process because we were trying to enlist a a development agency to work alongside us in in another project and the first thing that we did was we drew up a really good brief Mm -hmm. and that was step number one so within that brief uh, there was things like the backstory behind the project. There was the challenges that we were facing in the project. There was personas. There was this idea of like where we want to head and then, you know, kind of potentially some ideas that had already been floated. It had some values and mission. I think that's important as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what success looks like, timeline. Those are the kind of the, the typical uh, mastheads for these types of of documents. But... The thing is I think the quality of the brief will directly impact on the quality of the agency mm-hmm. and the response from the agency. We've had some pretty weak briefs in yeah. our time. <laughs> For sure. And that doesn't necessarily mean we responded weakly yeah. but but it just means that you've got to interrogate that brief and it means you're probably going to have two or three more phone calls with the the company that you're working with to, to kind of really understand the, the, the brief before you can respond to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean I would just say like the quality of the brief is really important and it shows... It shows a level of standards that you want to achieve as well too. You're sort of, you know, you're you're stepping forward on the right foot as opposed to, you know, kind of putting something together to be half-assed. Yeah. Um, so, I think that's a great place to start when you're trying to find a, an agency partner to work with is a great brief. Uh, like you, I mean, on my list I had past experience I think is a big factor in all of this and... Next to past experience was culture fit. Mm-hmm. The culture fit, I think, is a is a big one. You're going to be working with that agency for a long period of time, especially in a rebrand situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you don't have the right people on the agency side that you really kind of vibe with, that that alone, like they could do great work, but they're just assholes to deal with. <laughs> yeah. That can that can be you know a real challenge. Like that could be kind of like the the thing that kind of breaks the the, the project. Yeah. Um, so I think culture's a big one.
0: Do you have any thoughts on the best way to actually evaluate that
1: culture? Well, I mean, look, I think there's always the exploratory phone call um, as a starting point and I would recommend that anyone that's trying to find an agency, like go ring up six agencies, like do your Google search, go through LinkedIn, like look for recommendations and when you've been able to, you know, kind of pull together a, like a, a short list of maybe you've got 10 agencies on there, six might have you know kind of lived up to this the standard that you're looking for get on the phone and just just have that exploratory phone call you can tell a lot from a phone call
0: yeah i think that's a really good one because i mean we've we've seen it ourselves even in that search you're talking about as well the difference between even what a, a glossy website the impression that might give and that might give you a good feeling can be starkly different to, you know, just even that first impression once you get them on the phone or on a video chat, Yeah, you know, I think that tells you probably a lot more than, you know, just what's on the website, for example.
1: Yeah, I mean, I even broke it down a little further in terms of like have those six phone calls but then only take three forward because the reality is you want to kind of go a little bit deeper with those three and time becomes a factor. So, when you get down to three, jump on a video call with them. I mean, that's a, a good opportunity for them to be able to give a more kind of formal response or a pitch back to understand more about their ethos. And again, you're probably going to find that there's a lot of similarities between those three agencies. If they're they're a good quality agency, you're going to find that they're, they're going to be hard to separate. Mm-hmm. So, how do you separate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that becomes a... A question of like culture fit, I think that's the big one. And for us, when we were evaluating the the development team we were speaking about before, the culture fit was the one that was probably the thing that won it over in in the end. There are other other ways to kind of evaluate. I mean, you can potentially look on social media, so follow their social for a little bit, um, see what they're about, um, try and deduct what you can from that. The other one might be to also have a little look inside the the trophy cabinet as well and see are there any awards that they've they've recently won or have won in the past. Awards are a tricky thing as well too, because I think you can game that a little bit. Yeah. But you know, if they're an awarded agency, I think that that definitely helps sort of build credibility. So you might look for those those aspects.
0: Yeah, I mean another one for me on the the idea of sort of getting to know what they're really like better is to actually ask for references. Mm-hmm. So again, this is something that we did a bit with the our search for an agency. Yeah, that's a good one. Because I think again, you could you could just go off the testimonials, you know, on a website and and think, okay, well that's the social proof that I need. But again, you can sort of unpick that a lot just even in a five, ten minute call with someone who's actually worked with them before, who's maybe a bit more impartial or Then you get a chance to ask your own questions about what you care about. For example, if you care a lot about the process, you can ask a bit more questions about what the process was really like. You know, what are the communications like? How do they handle things when things went wrong? Those sorts of things.
1: Yeah, and I totally forgot that one but that was definitely one of the most helpful parts of the evaluation process when we were going through it was to to actually get a couple of recommendations. I mean, I always wonder about that because it's a bit like the job reference (laughs) as well (laughs) too. Like why would anyone put a bad reference in there? But my, I think most people are pretty honest about those those things, and you can you can like learn a lot about a company just by having those discussions, you know, with that that reference. So, yeah, I think that's a good one, for sure.
0: Yeah, I um, mean, the last things that I had really then start to get more into the the practicality side of things. So. Are they available even, you know, when when can they start? You know, some agencies are booked months in advance. Does that work in with your timeline? You know, how long do they think it's going to take? Again, does that match up with your expectations? And I think the flip side of that is also just being prepared to be a bit flexible that you might have to change some of your expectations, you know. So, is it worth it to you to work with a particular agency if it does mean that you have to put things off for a month, mm-hmm. you know, And certainly, I would encourage people to think longer term around those things. I mean, we encounter it a bit that oftentimes someone set an arbitrary deadline of we need this done by, you know, Mm. by the end of January. Like, why? Well, no real reason. It just sounds good, you know. So, yeah, I guess just, yeah, being open to to some sort of level of flexibility as to whether the, the agency fits in with your plans or not.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big one for sure. Yeah, arbitrary deadlines. Yep. Yeah, and I guess just on the the, the timing um, aspect of it as well is that that can be a bit of a double edged sword with the the busyness of an agency. You want an agency to be busy because they're in demand, mm-hmm. but also on the flip side, if they're so busy that they're not going to be able to service the projects mm-hmm. like a- effectively, that's a little nuance that you've got to look out for as well too. Is like to to understand just how much work have they gone on ahead of them and 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 whether they're going to be able to dedicate the the team. The final one on that for me is also too is, is the opportunity to meet maybe more of the broader project team, the people that are actually going to be working mm-hmm. directly on your project. It's fine to meet the business development person or the founder but they most likely won't be the person that you'll be dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So, can you get to the project manager? Can you you know can you speak to the, the person that's actually going to be doing the design work, for example? Just to get a sense of does the culture permeate it so all, all the way down to to the project team or is this just a nice bit of spin that was, you know, being put on the, on the presentation? Cool. All right. So, that leaves the issue of cost.
0: Mm-hmm. The touchy subject. It's always a touchy subject. <laughs>
1: but, I mean, you you have to obviously allow some budgeting some sort of cost expectation yeah how do you how do you kind of think about budgeting and how much you should put aside for a project like this what's a reasonable amount to pay should we even be getting into those discussions (laughs) about
0: what's reasonable and what's not yeah i mean it seems like a cop-out but it's true to say that it's definitely unique you know by a situation like there's you know a number of factors obviously like We talked about off the top that audit list of things that need to change. Is that a short list or a really long list, you know? Yes. Even under your examples, like if it's it's a simple e-commerce shop that has three products and they just really specialize in those things and they mainly just need a website upgrade around that, that's very different to a retail brand that has 100 stores and might be considering an entire facelift, you know, to the store design under a rebrand. So. It's, it's trite, but it's true, you know, that it is unique to, to every scenario. And then I think there is some level of of what value does it create for your brand, you know. So, for example, you know, there's a the classic example around about what does a, a rebrand mean to someone like a Pepsi where, you know, you're talking about billions of dollars of sales, you know, around the world and moving that needle obviously is through a rebrand could be huge in terms of Cost outcome, so maybe they're willing to pay a lot more for their brand than you know a cafe around the corner, you know, which is, is likely to only see a small uptick, you know, in terms of total gross sales from a rebrand. So yeah, certainly figuring out the which can be difficult the value that it creates for you, you know, and we talked a bit about last episode when we were thinking about sort of trying to sell the costs into your higher ups, the idea of trying to equate it to some sort of successful outcome and how much that's worth. As we acknowledged last week, I guess that can be quite difficult. But, yeah, it's it's at least a place to start and think about. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I was reading something today about it in terms of like this awkward dance that always happens where the client says to the agency, well, how much is it going to cost? And the agency says, well, how much have you got to spend? And they're like, well, you tell me how it's going to cost and I'll tell you whether I can afford that or not. And the agency says, well depending on your budget, will depend what services we recommend and that sort of thing. So, it's definitely not easy but I also think that if both sides just give a little and, and are a bit open and honest, you know, you'll probably start figuring things out pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like there could be a much more elegant conversation to be had around, mm-hmm. around investment into um, projects and I use the term investment, not budgeting, because... I think budgeting is the wrong terminology mm-hmm. to use here these you wouldn't be doing this project a rebrand unless you looked at it as an investment something that was actually going to give impact to the economics of your company yeah and and so I think you know like we have to have I don't know it's it's, it's like a more of a sophisticated conversation mm. around around pricing because a lot of it just comes down to to value as well and this can be the individual brand manager and what what they value and the further you go up the experience tree in agency land the more you're going to pay um, for an experienced agency and also because they have the ability to de-risk the project, you know, say beyond a, an agency that's got two or three years worth of experience versus an agency that's got 20 years of experience. They know the path ahead. They know how to get the job done and, and they know the pitfalls. So, you're paying relative to that experience. Yeah,
0: and quality outcomes, you know. That's, exactly. Design yeah. is hard to measure sometimes in that sense of quality. Yeah. But there is definitely a difference and... It's often the stuff behind the scenes that you can't see around how much thought and research and strategy goes into things. That de-risks, as you say, but it also to me leads to high quality, experience leads to quality, those sorts of things. So, yeah, there's definitely a factor even if it's hard to, to quantify.
1: Yeah, on my list I had um, some questions in terms of things that might impact costs and these could be questions that you're asking yourself internally. For example, what is the brand doing for growth? Like just answering that question alone do we want a 10 growth do we want 15 percent? where does it currently where does it sit what are the goals for the rebrands um, do we want to change the perception of the brand because if we do want to change the perception of the brands then that might be a much more significant effort than you know just you know doing a new brand mark for example are we saying relevant stuff to our audience is it going to Gain new customers, or just service existing ones, or stop us from losing, mm. you know, market share. Like thinking about those types of questions, and I think all of that leads to uh, the one question, which is, what is a new customer worth to us mm. in in the business? And we want to get a hundred, a thousand, a million new customers. I think that's then going to drive an economic result. Okay, so we want to do an extra five million dollars in revenue in the next financial year. What is a reasonable amount to compensate the agency? Is it ten percent? Like, is it a five hundred thousand dollars rebrands, which will then give us over the next five years or ten years fifty million dollars extra in revenue would would that be fair? Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 about kind of judging the the value of the the project, but trying to relate it back to some some numbers rather than. Just wait for a proposal from from an agency. Yeah. Think about like what would you be willing to pay to get that type of result yeah. because that's probably going to drive a number on a piece of paper.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing is even if the initial conversations can be a bit awkward, you're generally probably going to get an idea fairly quickly as to whether you're on the same page or not because that's the thing to me is like are you in the same ballpark or are you just worlds apart and there's, there's no result because- if if it is that you know you've got a budget of 2 grand and you know their typical project size is 50 grand then there's not going to be any scenario where you can work together right but if you're on the same ballpark you know maybe there is some things that they recommend that you hadn't thought of before that would you know go beyond what you currently think your budget number is and that could be totally fine like you could work that out and vice versa there are definitely scenarios where you may have a capped budget and the agency can come back to you and say, well, you are not. You can't have everything that you wanted, but you could have these three things. This is how we recommend that you roll it out and stagger it. So, there's definitely a zone of compromisation somewhere there in the middle. I think the main thing in the first part is trying to work out, are we even on the same page, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I think not just tying it to an arbitrary number, yeah, like exactly. we've got X amount of dollars to spend, but actually tying it to a number uh, that is focused on growth. Yeah. Because the growth number will drive, I think, a spend number that makes more sense.
0: Yeah. I guess, yeah, and partly what I'm getting at is there'll also be an an upper limit of what someone just physically can spend and, and that will bear out too even in your scenario where it's tied to growth because it should, you know, be commensurate with that. But it's just kind of trying to figure out. Yeah, not, you know, I think a lot of people go into it with a mindset of, oh, but if I tell the agency my budget, they're just going to rip me off or they're going to pad out their services to to meet that number. Well, so I'd say with almost like 80% or more accuracy, it's going to be the other way around that they're going to have to actually skimp on or, you know, cut back a little bit on what they would normally do to meet your budget as opposed to thinking they're going to get, you know, some massive payday out of you. Yeah, Yeah,
1: absolutely. Agreed. What else is on the list? Yeah, I mean,
0: uh, I guess the only other thing really that I was thinking about was just like trying to separate your needs and your wants, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're thinking about it. And especially if you are sort of getting into that scenario where you're kind of having to compromise back and forth with the agency a bit. A lot of times, you know, you can do that audit like we talked about and come up with 100 things. But you know, are they all really going to make a big impact or are they just something that you think would be cool or you'd love to get that thing sorted that's always bugged you but, you know, it's more of a want than a need. And again, that we've talked about this before, but some of that can come down to phasing too. You can fix some of your wants later, but if your budget only extends to your needs in the first instance, then just focus on them. And I guess it goes hand-in-hand with that as well as like don't just presume that you know the answer, like ask the person that you're talking to what would their recommendation be around where to focus and stuff, you know, because I guess they might see things that that you should be focusing on first or instead of, you know, don't always think that you've got the answer, I guess. Mm. Sage advice. Yep.
1: All right, we done on Money Talk? I think so. That's enough Money Talk for one day. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's a good place to wrap up. This is a weekly conversation between two brand blokes. Uh, If you want to hit us up with any questions, you can reach us at plied.studio. If you want to learn more about building a brand, uh, you can listen to other episodes at The Layers Podcast or you can find us also on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That's it for today, MC. Lovely. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. See you next week.